It's now been two years since Governor Andrew Cuomo officially resigned from office, but the once domineering political force has not entirely exited the stage as he attempts to remain in the public consciousness of his own accord with a podcast and occasional press releases. But the former governor also continues to make news as a result of his persistent civil legal headaches stemming from allegations of sexual harassment in the workplace. To get a status update on Andrew Cuomo, we're joined in the Capitol Press Room by John Campbell, a Capitol reporter for WNYC and Gothamist. Thanks for joining us again, John. Thanks, David. So two years ago, when State Attorney General Letitia James released a report on alleged sexual misconduct by then Governor Andrew Cuomo, one of the most damning and probably surprising allegations came from a state trooper that worked in the governor's orbit. She has since launched a lawsuit against Cuomo, and I want to get into his response shortly. But can you explain what the trooper is alleging and where we are in that case? Yeah, absolutely. So the trooper was the first to file a civil lawsuit against the governor, and that came in February of last year. And essentially, she repeated her allegations that she said to the state attorney general's office, which was that she was quickly promoted to the governor's security detail, essentially handpicked by the governor after after she met him at an event at the RFK Bridge. And essentially what happened next was the the trooper says that the governor made inappropriate comments to her about what he wants in a partner and touched her inappropriately in the sense that he ran his finger down her spine or put his palm of his hand on her stomach and over to her waist and those kind of things. And that makes up the basis of her lawsuit. Now, the trooper also included a number of allegations from the other women who are in the AG's report former staffers who who say that the governor either oversaw a toxic workplace or sexually harassed them. And that includes people like Lindsey Boylan, who was the, the first person to come out publicly with her accusations against the governor. People like Anna Liss, who was an aide in the governor's office, a fellow in the governor's office back in 2014, who says he oversaw a toxic workplace. And now their accusations are included in to kind of bolster the, the troopers' claims. And that's where we get into how Andrew Cuomo is going about his defense, because he's kind of bringing these other women into it, even though they're not suing him at this time. And do we have an idea of what the governor is looking for in his subpoenas of these women who are not the trooper? Is it possible that they have some sort of firsthand knowledge or awareness of what the trooper experienced? Or is he trying to promote a larger narrative that discredits their experiences and therefore could lend less credit to the trooper's experience? So the governor has subpoenaed a number of these women, which he's allowed to do through the discovery process in civil lawsuits. And the one thing he does want from from each of the women he's subpoenaed is he wants them to sit for depositions. And that would allow his attorney and and the attorney of his co-defendants to depose these women under oath and for a period of, of several hours. Anna Liss already sat for a deposition in Rochester. It went longer than seven hours. It, I mean, it is a lengthy, lengthy ordeal. Now there's this battle about whether her transcript should be made public or should be kept under seal. Basically, the governor's looking for depositions, also looking for, say, text messages between the women, with text messages with the media. He subpoenaed some of their phone companies trying to get the same thing. Some of these women are fighting these subpoenas in courts, particularly Lindsey Boylan. 
they're arguing that it's too broad, that they don't even know Trooper One, so why are they being dragged into this? But the governor's team, they argue that it's Trooper One who put the allegations in the lawsuit. The governor is entitled to a defense and entitled to discovery, and that's what they're going through now. Now, I should also mention, too, the governor is trying to strike those the, the other women's claims from the lawsuit at the same time that all of this is going down. So it's possible that they could get thrown out of this lawsuit and then there'd be a, a discussion about what would happen with discovery after that point. So if I could be a conspiracy theorist for a second, putting aside the possible trauma of reliving sexual misconduct, are there any reasons why someone like Lindsey Boylan, the first public accuser against Andrew Cuomo, would be trying to stop his legal team from subpoenaing a wide array of women, including former Senator Alessandra Biagi? What are the reasons for potentially limiting the avenues of the governor and his defense team? Well, I, I don't want to speak for Lindsey Boylan or her attorneys, but in their filings, they have pointed to, they've essentially accused the governor of weaponizing the litigation and trying to find any little nugget that he can to use against his accusers, even though they're not party to this lawsuit. Now, the governor and his team despise this report, the AG's report that included the, the accounts of these women and they view it as a political hit job. They view it as as the impetus for what led him to resign from office. And they are using the Trooper One lawsuit to try to litigate that report. They're trying to discredit the, the report any way they can. They view it as a political hit job. And they're trying to, to get whatever evidence they can to prove that point from their perspective. Is it fair to say that there seems to be a lot of overlap between the PR work by the Cuomo campaign and the legal work by the Cuomo campaign? It all seems to be focused on pushing a a narrative about the governor. Well, at this point, they're they're pretty intertwined, right? I mean, the civil cases are what are dominating the news about the governor at this point. And it's you know, the first time some of these claims are being tested in court. So, of course, they're going to be intertwined to some some degree. And I think you're seeing that happen now. Well, you just noted that there are multiple cases because the troopers lawsuit is not the only one facing the former governor. What is the challenge, broadly speaking, from Charlotte Bennett, a former executive chamber aide uh, whose story emerged in the spring of 2021? Well, Charlotte Bennett at the time was a a 25-year-old aide to the governor who who claims that the governor asked her repeated invasive questions about her her personal life, her sex life, and her past sexual assault. Um, You know, the governor claims that he did not—we should say the governor denies claims of harassment with with all of these women, uh, including Charlotte Bennett. And her lawsuit is more narrowly tailored to her accusation. So it doesn't include much of what was in the attorney general's report about other women. So in that case, there aren't as many subpoenas of the other women in in the Charlotte Bennett case. I mean, those are, are, are concentrated with the Trooper One case. And, you know, the different strategic decisions, you know, kind of show from the governor's perspective have have dictated the the different defense tactics that's why you're seeing tons of subpoenas of of the other women in in the Trooper One case because that was more broadly written to include the other women. But there's still this debate about 
whether the the subpoenas are overly broad about their relevance and that's what's being battled in in court right now you mentioned the Cuomo team's efforts to undermine the report from 2021 from the state attorney general's office, and they argue, one, that uh, it's not accurate, and two, that there's never been a real serious examination and questioning of it. What do you think of that latter point? Do you feel like the attorney general or her staff and the people who put together the report have ever done an extensive defense or explanation of this report to shore it up and ensure its credibility in the eyes of the public? Well, they have, have certainly stood behind it this this entire time. There haven't been a lot of opportunities to, to answer questions. There was an initial press conference at the time it was released. Now, this is what the Cuomo tactic is, right? Now, this is the Cuomo tactic is to use this Trooper One lawsuit to litigate the AG's report, essentially. And that is much of the reason of what they, they say of why they're, they're subpoenaing these women. The women say it am- amounts to further retaliation, further harassment. They have to spend money on these attorneys to, to fight these subpoenas or even comply with them. I mean, either way, you have to have some legal representation. Meanwhile, the governor, on the other hand, his legal defense is is being funded by taxpayers. It should be noted in the Trooper One case. That's part of a state law that that essentially says that if you're a, a public official and you're doing the duties of your job and you're sued while doing the duties of your job or in connection with that, then the state picks up the tab. So we've been focusing almost primarily on the governor's legal woes. He has not necessarily shied from the spotlight during this endeavor, and he's been doing his own podcast, sends out press releases every once in a while. How would you describe the public persona of the governor right now? And what seems to be driving his effort to stay in the limelight, at least on his own terms? Well, he's been in the the public office or in in the public limelight for for quite some time, and he is clearly trying to to stay in it on some level. He does have a podcast. They release you know YouTube videos of him doing the podcast, and he has guests and takes questions, things like that. Uh, and that's kind of a, a tried and true way that you've seen people try to kind of stay in the public eye in some some level, at least in in this uh, day and age where it seems like everybody has a, a podcast present, company included. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily surprising. He has not made any any moves to run for office. Again, he still does have um, considerable money in his campaign account. I think it was somewhere around $7 million the last time uh, he had to report. So, um, you know, there's always kind of that question looming of will he ever try to, to re-enter uh, elected office. So far, he has 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 declined to do so, but, you know, TBD. So the last governor of New York to resign back in 2008 was Elliot Spitzer. And in the wake of that, he tried to rekindle his public image. He ran for New York City Comptroller unsuccessfully, but has largely stayed out of the limelight. When you think about the best case scenario in, in terms of the public presence of Andrew Cuomo moving forward, what does it look like? Is it elected office? Is it something else? Well, you know, I think Elliot Spitzer is is in some ways a similarity here in that he was a governor who resigned from office and then stayed away for a bit and then did try to reenter public life. He tried to run for New York City Comptroller. He did not win that. Um, 
there are some differences there, though, too. One, Elliot Spitzer served less than a term. Andrew Cuomo was well into his third term by the time he resigned. He's he's more of a, a household name, if you will. Um, so people have strongly formed opinions about him one way or the other. He's He's got you know near universal name recognition in New York, and those are powerful things in elected politics. So if you're looking at it from his perspective, I don't I, I, I don't know if he wants to run for office again. I don't know if he wants to reenter uh, elected office. But, you know, if he did, I, I think if you're looking at the brightest possible uh, future from his perspective, as, as you put it there, I mean, it would be winning office again. But I, I don't know that he is, is looking to do that. And I don't know that he'll ever look to do that. Well, we've been speaking with John Campbell. He's a Capitol reporter for WNYC and Gothamist. John, thank you so much for making the time. Thank you for having me. And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show. business agency or service interested in delivering your message to more than two dozen radio stations statewide carrying Capital Press Room? If so, visit capitalpressroom.org to contact our underwriting team.